Welcome to Menlo Church, and thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad that you're tuning in to Menlo Church Online. We at Menlo believe that everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. Enjoy the, today's message. And now, everybody, I want to ask if you would join with me in uh, expressing appreciation for two groups of people. One of them is our staff. Over this last season, our staff has just given uh, extraordinary above and beyond servanthood. Uh, they have preached great sermons. They have brought caring, walked alongside of so many folks, so many wonderful volunteers. And then I also want us to express appreciation for our elders. Over these last weeks, they have devoted uh, literally hundreds of unseen hours to praying for our church and caring for our congregation and caring for our staff and seeking wisdom from God. And we owe them debt of gratitude that we just can't repay. So can we take a moment right now and express that all together? I'm so grateful. And I want you to know two things right off the bat today. One is, I've just never been through a harder season in my life than this last season. If you're visiting with us this weekend, I've been on leave for the last several months uh, uh, due to poor judgment on my part and uh, mistakes flowing out of that that I so regret. And I have been walking through pain around all of that that has involved job pain and relational pain and spiritual pain and family pain and media pain. And it's just been more intense and at times raw in a way that I've never experienced before. Uh, it is a story that in many ways I am still in the middle of and do not know how or if it will ever get fully resolved this side of eternity. But the other thing I want you to know right off the bat is I have never been more grateful to be preaching in my life than I am. I want you to know that this process has been uh, both deeply chastening and humbling, but in ways that I'm immensely glad for. It's made me more aware than I have ever been of my weakness, but at the same time, I have received strength from God to persist and to seek to be my best self and to determine to the core of my being that I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying to walk from one day to the next. And often this has happened in ways that are clearly beyond my own capacity and in some real hidden moments uh, have been deeply moving, and I know have been the result of the prayer of a lot of people, and I'm so grateful for. I have been discovering the sufficiency of God in the place of desperation. I have been discovering words and thoughts and realities of Scripture, giving me power for the day and sanity in my mind that I desperately need, and I can't tell you how often I'll just think, man, thank God for the Bible. Thank God for this book. I've experienced prayer in a real different way. Uh, finding God in prayer and then losing God, not knowing how to find Him again and then finding Him again and then uh, finding other people have been praying in ways that have kept me propped up when otherwise I probably would have given out. I have been discovering the truth of an old expression that I used to think of as kind of a cliche, but in this season I have been clinging to like a life preserver. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. I have been learning what a strangely helpful thought it is to remember that right now there are millions, billions of people who are suffering so deeply in poverty or starving or oppressed or trafficked, and they would do anything in the world to trade places with me. And I might be able to help some. Some of you are in great suffering or have been or will be. 
And uh, if I can share some of what I have been learning in this season, and God might use that, then it might have a deeper meaning and a greater hope and help my life be about something more than just me and my life. So I'm very grateful to be here this weekend, and I want to walk with you through three great truths that I have been leaning into, and they're words that we often talk about, I often talk about around here, but they have been uh, a part of my life in a much more personal way. And the first one is this, nobody's perfect. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot over these last weeks. I've been reading a lot in the Bible about humility and thinking a lot about it, why it's so core. Peter writes, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And during this period, I've had uh, more than 80 meetings, one-on-one or small groups with elders and staff and volunteers and parents and attenders, where the, the main agenda is just to say, could you help me see through your eyes how have decisions or mistakes that I've made created burdens for you, uh, created problems that it would be good for me to know about? And then also to ask, maybe there's other ways that, uh, that I relate or communicate or interact that are a problem, have been a problem. Would you be willing to tell me what some of those are? And people have been. And I'm an introvert, so you would think 80 meetings like that would be very draining. And sometimes some of them were real hard, but it was a strange thing. I found that when I said, I'm going to bracket my automatic fleshly impulses to defend myself or explain or justify or try to control how somebody thinks of me, and I'm going to try to remember at a much deeper level that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And sometimes in the morning, I'll just pray over those two words, no condemnation, no condemnation, over and over. I don't have to sit under it, and I don't have to try to use it with other people. If I am in Christ Jesus, if I'm a friend of God, then I'm just living in a reality now where condemnation is simply no longer relevant. When I would remember that I, too, have been justified by faith. So it's no longer up to me to justify my existence by how right I am or how smart I am. When I could say, you know, my only goal in this moment is just to listen and try to understand more and try to grow more. These conversations were actually quite freeing. I actually got this wonderful gift of seeing blind spots in myself and discovering how I might be able to love other people better. And I might be able to grow a tiny little bit more towards becoming like Jesus, which I say is the only thing that matters anyhow. I'll give you one example. One piece of feedback that I got was uh, how I can be too smooth with words. And instead of just saying directly, here's what I think or here's what I want, I can uh, leave stuff out or try to keep certain things secret or shade stuff or use words to try to manipulate people. And I was thinking about this the next morning. I had done something that I knew a family member would not like, and I thought, i got to tell him about this. And then my very next thought was, without intending it, my very next thought was, how could I narrate this to that family member in such a way that it puts me in the best light possible and kind of pressures them not to object? And then it occurred to me, that's what I do. That's 
how I use words. And I don't have to do that. Instead, you know, Jesus said, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I could simply go to this family member and say, here's what I did exactly like I did it. And then leave them the freedom and dignity to not like it. And to say to me, I don't like that you did that. And in fact, I could actually start by apologizing and say, I did this, but it violated an agreement with you. And I just want you to know. And I don't have to live in condemnation. I don't have to. It was so helpful to me. Nobody's perfect. I don't have to live as if I were. Another way I've been learning humility through this, a friend of mine said to me at one point in great love, John, I think you just need to sit in the pain that various people in our congregation are feeling. Do what you have done. And immediately I started to feel defensive, and I felt like, you know, so what you're saying is whoever in our church has the absolute worst perception of me, you want me to agree with. You want me to just sit in shame. I'm learning a lot about shame in this season and how much more of it I carry than I ever thought. And then I realized that was not what this person was saying at all. They were just inviting me to stop thinking of myself at all for a moment and just try to understand and care about, empathize with all of the members of this congregation that I want to love. And it ended up being a great word from God that was extremely helpful to me. Just try to listen and understand. And I began to wonder, how often do I do this? How much of a pattern is this resistant spirit in my life that pushes away hard truth? And I asked Nancy, Nancy, have you ever experienced this in me? Have you ever wanted to tell me something that might have been hard for you to say, but instead of receiving it openly, found that I got defensive and resistant and withdrawn and distant? And we have been married 36 years. Anybody want to guess what her answer was? And I thought, how often does God want to speak a word to me from Scripture or from another person? And it can help me become a better person, a better pastor, a better husband, a better friend, a better dad. But instead of receiving it and going, I actually push it away. I keep God away. I keep truth away. Or in my self-sufficiency, my inner response was, oh yes, I already knew that. I already read that. I already thought that. I already taught that. I already said that. But it's funny, I'm not doing that nearly as much in this era because I'm just too needy. I just need help. And then I tend to find it a lot. Oh, God, oh, this thought, oh, this idea, oh, this hope. doesn't matter that I've heard it before. Just that it's coming into my mind right now. Oh, God, that's exactly what I need. And what I'm discovering, gang, is my capacity to find God in any given moment is directly proportional to the desperation of my need for God. And, the more, and it's like, this is what the Bible says. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your hearts. Because otherwise, I just, I won't say, I'll push it away. Know that, been there, done that. And some of these rhythms will stay with me. I always used to <clears throat> come into work super early for many, many years. And my wife would sometimes complain, I would like to have a husband around in the morning when I wake up. And you'd think I'd take that really seriously and think, man, that's great. I, I want to be that husband. Uh, and through these past few months, I had nothing else to do. So I was home in the morning. And uh, we'd have time in the morning to just talk and pray. And we both really liked it and kind of needed it. And so I've decided I think I'll keep doing that. I think that'd be a really good thing with my wife. I think I can trust God that I can get enough done if I do that together with her at the start of the day. 
and it's making our relationship a little different. It leads to another learning relationally. Uh, nobody's perfect, but then also everybody's welcome. By grace, everybody's welcome. And again, real personally, including me. And I'm experiencing that in a little different way. Uh, one of the hard parts about this season, uh, when I was on leave, was I just missed you. I just missed being able to worship here. I missed our life group. I missed getting to talk to the team. I missed getting to say, my name is John. I'm a sinner. And having you all say, hi, John. My wife and my mom and my sister and my brother and, and my friends, Chuck and Rick and Sam and Pat and family members made up a little team. And I don't understand this, but somehow, a lot of you know, the deeper the difficulties or pain that we face together, the deeper the bonds that form between us. And I promise you, I could never be walking through this season if I was walking alone. One of the passages that I spent a bunch of time with in this season is when Jesus was on his way to the cross, and he said to his friends in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is the Son of God. My soul is so filled with grief, I'm afraid I'm going to die. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He's so vulnerable. It's like he's afraid to be alone. It's like he's almost like a child. Stay here. Don't leave me. And I think this has hit me so deeply because I've just never felt this vulnerable before uh, with people up close and with people I don't even know. Uh, one of my great idols is reputation and image and what do people think of me. And uh, over the last several years, I keep needing to learn to die to that. And so I came to Menlo 16 and a half years ago, and we left a remarkable church in Chicago that really kind of innovated, trying to make unchurched, uh, irreligious people feel welcome when they would come to the family of God. And uh, the church used to have two midweek services that were devoted to believers particularly, and then four services on the weekend where people that believed could bring their unchurched friends to, and they could learn about Jesus. And uh, there was one season where I was... I happened to preach at both of those services for several weeks, and a woman came up to me one time and said, I've noticed you've been preaching double duty lately, and that's kind of a heavy burden to carry. Are you doing okay? And I was touched by her concern, and I said, yes, I am. Thank you for asking. And she said, well, that's good, because I have been trying to get my unchurched pagan boss to come to church for years, and he's always said no, and he's finally coming this weekend, and you're preaching, and I noticed that you've been preaching a lot. Don't screw up. And um, when Nancy and I came here to Menlo, uh, we were often still involved in speaking at services or conferences related to our old church that we loved. And then several years ago, a really hard problem emerged at our old church, and Nancy and I found ourselves very much not at our own initiative, having to navigate a situation that was very weighty and very sensitive. And then after years of no resolution, it became, at least in the little church where we live, very public and, and real ugly. And that was really hard. And I kind of thought I had learned to let go of reputation because there's so much freedom on just 
you know, not worrying about what people think. And then over these last weeks, as we've walked through this season at Menlo, as some of you will know, this situation has also been written about in some ways that are very public and sometimes will trouble me about what my people think. And God is teaching me. I was in Pete's a couple weeks ago, and there were a bunch of copies of the local newspaper there, and I saw the headline on the front page said, Menlo Church on it, and I thought, that's kind of cool. We're in the newspaper. And then I looked, and there was my picture on it, and there was a story that I did not like at all. And honestly, my first instinct was just to run out of Pete's. And I love Pete's, but I would rather be decaffeinated than to have to be there with that story. And I felt very exposed. And then the thought came, no, John, my call on you is not to hide in shame. It's not to defend or go around and try to explain. It's just to live and trust me and be humble and don't worry about what people think. Just let reality be whatever reality is. Because reality is, all I am is one more flawed person for whom nonetheless Jesus Christ died on a cross to forgive. And only God knows the full extent... Only God knows the full extent of how truly messed up I am, but I promise you it's more messed up than you think I am. And it's more messed up than I think I am. And, and God's great concern, for a very good reason, see, is not my reputation and not my circumstances, because those come and they go. They are so temporary and so illusory and so insignificant. What, what matters to him is my character, is my soul. One of the thoughts that's been so helpful to me in this season is what matters is not how things turn out. What matters is how I turn out. The main thing God gets out of your life is the person you become, see? And no human being in the world has the power to get in the way of that. And no circumstance in the world has the power to get in the way of that. God is the God of grace. And that means if I come just to receive grace... I, too, can be one of those who is welcome here. I've been learning about that as a dad. You know, the church in the Bible most often is described as a family because the family, above any other institution, is to be a place where everybody's just welcome. I can't get fired from a family. Now, I'll say a word about that because it's become part of a public story, as some of you know, and you all are my church family, but I want to say only a word Mostly it will stay private because it's deeply personal. We have three children. Each one is unique and each one is remarkably precious. And I have loved each of our children from the day they were born and I will love them until the day they die or I die. I just wanted you to know that. If you're here today and you know something of family pain, me too. If you're here today and you're hoping God will work something out in a relationship, but you don't know how, and you don't know when, and you don't know if, me too. I usually think of myself as a fairly high-energy person, but I found myself in this season often struggle, struggling to generate uh, uh, my usual levels of energy. And Nancy said to me at one point, John, I think you're depressed. No big surprise. I think you should think about taking something. And I said, I don't think so. I think I would know if I were depressed. Which one of us has a degree in psychology? Not you. <laughs> and she said, Benjamin Franklin said, the man who treats his own self has a fool for a doctor. 
which one of us would that be? Not me either. So I asked my counselor, do you think I should take something? And my counselor said yes. And I asked my friend Rick, who's a clinical psychologist, Rick, do you think I should take something? And Rick said yes. And I prayed about it and asked Jesus, Jesus, do you think I should take something? And Jesus said, I've already told you your prayers are depressing me. Put me down for a yes too. (laughs) So if any of you find yourself needing medical help for depression or anxiety or a mental health condition, if you ever find yourself feeling weak or needy or inadequate, all I can say is get in line. Join the club. Young or old, rich or poor, hurt or healthy, whatever you're religious or spiritual or sexual or economic or ethnic or social, or educational, or emotional background, or situation, or orientation, or status. Everybody's welcome here. But then, (laughs) thank God, thank God, thank God, there's a third truth I'm learning and leaning into these days, again, just real personally. This is a place, Jesus' family, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and then Anything's possible with God. Not without God. Not with me. Uh, To be honest with you, there have been some times during these past months when on some mornings I thought, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can take this. I don't think I can face this. This feels impossible. I think I'd rather just bail. I've been here 16 and a half years. That's long enough. Um... 87 years old, that's old enough. <laughs> and uh, I just leave. And I'll tell you what I think. I mean, that day will come, the leaving day, that comes for everybody who does the kind of thing that I do. And I want to be open before God and my heart and my family and our leadership and uh, our circumstances and our church. I know that leaving day will come, but not today. And not because it's hard. The hard is what makes it great. That's the way it is with life. The hard is what makes it great. That's the thing about following Jesus. That's the thing about being called in the Bible, which every one of us is. The hard is what makes it great. And there's another passage in the Bible that I've just been saying over and over and over. Paul wrote it to the church at Rome. It's uh, Romans, the fifth chapter. And they're words that weren't new to me, but somehow they are new to me. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith... It's like in my little life, I keep trying to justify my existence by this or that. It's like God saying, I'm just going to take that away from you for a while. Since we've been justified by faith, you just are accepted and loved by God for no reason at all. We have peace with God. Whatever's going on outside, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access into the grace in which we now stand. I'm standing in grace. And we boast in the glory of God. One day I'm going to know that fully. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. For suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he's given us. What an amazing people that we're a part of. 
we glory in our sufferings. Because ultimately that leads to hope. And I'm learning, I know, in just tiny little ways to glory in sufferings, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And a lot of times in the morning, I'll just write down in a journal uh, the opportunities that lie before me this day in a season that's more difficult for me than most of my life has been. Lots of people facing lots of worse stuff. And I'll just write down, I can become more resilient today from the inside. I can have a little more compassion for the suffering of other people because of what I'm going through in ways that normally I just blow past. I can learn to trust God more. I can serve my wife today. I can serve my family today in a time when they need me. I can model hope. I can be less dependent on circumstances for my joy. I can grow in inner strength. I can become the man my dog Baxter thinks that I am. I can live in such a way that when I come to die, I do not look back on these days with bitter regret because I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't. And in some odd ways, and we all kind of know this, but I'm learning it. Uh, these days are days of the deepest spiritual opportunities of my life every day. And I can't miss it. I'm too old. I can't miss it. For with God, Jesus said, all things are possible. And it's a strange thing, gang. I've had lots of conversations about this situation and my mistakes with folks at our church. And what I was afraid, the reason it was hard was just the fear of being rejected and, and uh, being shamed or being judged. And what I have found instead is love and grace and caring way beyond what I could have imagined. It's the strangest thing. Did not see this coming. So many of you have written notes and cards and emails and letters and made calls way more than I have ever gotten at any church ever before in my life. This last six weekends, Nance and I have gone to six of our campuses and and the love and the grace and the mercy and the care is just overwhelming. The phrase that keeps coming up from so many people is just say strong. And it's just hit me, man, we all need to hear that so much. And I promise I will as God helps me. And, you know, we all want to be careful about contagion, especially in this season. And we're trying to think together as a church and pray, how can we be helpful? But people just want to touch. So I've had more elbow shakes and fist bumps and headbutts and shoe taps than I can count. And honestly, this week, I am happy to hug anybody, like telepathically, but literally physically if you want to. I don't care. It's the strangest thing. I am receiving more love in my weakness than I ever received in my strength. It's just the beautiful irony of the gospel. It's just what I'm learning. At a time when I never expected the love of a congregation less, I have never experienced it more. So, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Well, I will tell you what I'm going to do as God helps. I promise you I will seek to regain, re-earn, and retain your trust as best I can. I will try to learn from God and to be able better to love and to grow, to be simpler, be my best self, devote myself to my calling as best I can one day at a time. Not forgetting this season because it's too deep, at least for me, because some things will just be different. I think I will feel more pain, at least for a time, even with great joy. I think I will feel more weak 
But that's not bad. Paul says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. And what that means is you never know when something happens. You never know when something happens, how it's going to turn out in the long run, how God is going to use it in the long run. You never know. We never know. I do not know. I know there is this book full of stories that are newly precious to me where people didn't know. Joseph didn't know he'd go from a prison to a throne. Israel didn't know they'd go from slavery to the promised land. Daniel didn't know he'd go from a lion's den to the palace of a king. Esther didn't know she would go from a harem girl to a hero. Peter didn't know he would go from ratting Jesus out to the rock of Jesus' church. There's a whole book full of these stories. What if the story's not done yet? What if it turns out that in the context of the grand story that has as its center a crucifixion, which of all things leads to a resurrection, this season, this story, mine and yours, becomes part of that larger story? What if... What if, in the providence of God, I could be known by the people in my life, by the church that I serve, by you, more deeply and fully and really than I have ever experienced at a church in lots and lots of years? Not just in whatever gifts I bring or things that I think ought to matter, but in my faults and my hurts and my sin and my inadequacy and my fear and my pain and my scars. And what if God were to use, of all things, pain and uncertainty? of situations like this one to build deeper relationships and a more inclusive and healing community than he ever used all of our talents and resources and strengths? What if it really is true that his strength is made perfect in weakness and then as we bring more and more weakness and weakness and weakness, he brings more and more and more strength and everybody really is welcome and nobody really has to look perfect and with God, anything really is possible. And then, and then, and then, people around us, people in addiction, and people in recovery, and people going through homelessness, and people experiencing joblessness, and people on their third divorce, or abortion, or prison sentence, or people just tired, just tired of trying to pretend like everything's okay, just tired of trying to pretend not to be anxious or not to be depressed or not to be desperately sad or not to be jealous or not to be angry or not to be wounded. People who carry the burden of unwanted thoughts that are crushing them, people who are walking around with secret shame, all met together here in this place with no masks, all met like we had no reputation at all, none of us. In fact, all celebrated the recognition of total mutual personal inadequacy and confession and repentance and humility and healing and acceptance and servanthood and generosity and courage ended up in Jesus' name getting a new birth of redemptive power right in our midst. What if we double down on Jesus and double down on the cross and double down on the gospel and double down on the resurrection and just get on with it. Just get on with the mission that God has for us. Just get on with the mission of trying to help people find and follow Jesus and seek to know him above all and just get on with being agents of faith and hope and love and humility serving in every neighborhood and every school and every office and every shop in hospitals and homes and at the borders and on the margins with the unremembered and the uncared for and the unloved and the unwashed and the unheard and the unseen. What if we, I don't know about you, but I would not want to miss that. I would like to stick around for that. I would like to be a part of that. That's what I'd like to do. So. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me?
God, thank you for your church. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Help us, God. There is so little that we understand. Sometimes it feels like we have so little light and the darkness of the herd is so hard. Help us to keep walking and trusting until one day all things are redeemed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. We hope you feel inspired, maybe even challenged by what you heard in the message today. Maybe figure out how you might want to apply that to your life this week. Please join us again and follow us on social media to find out all the latest happenings here at Menlo Church. We'll see you next time.